Hello, and welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. I'm Kim Schlag, and with me is Marcy Nevin. And I'm not going to say just Marcy, because hello, Marcy's enough. But but we have no Katie today. But we do have a special visitor. Uh, Is it Rocky or Lily May in the background? I just saw her walk in. That's Rocky. And actually, Marcy, you talk for a second. I got to grab something. You cannot eat that. Put, put me on the spot. Why don't you? All right. I turned around. He, he um, got in his crate. He's, he's chewing apart his snuggle puppy. We only let him have the snuggle puppies like in the crate because if they play with them outside of the crate, they do, they like rip them to, to shreds. Oh, so. oh my gosh, they do. You know, yeah. it's so funny because I don't know why this is. And maybe it's just, I don't know. He's a unique breed, but Wesley, who is now 13, so no longer a puppy. He never chewed anything when, when he was a puppy. Um, so no shoes, no toys. I like didn't get into things. I'm so fortunate that that was awesome. not peace everywhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what's worse chewing my yeah. face or peeing all over the place. It's uh, super interesting. Lily may never chewed on anything she wasn't supposed to be chewing on, but she does ruin every toy. Like she will rip apart every toy. It's kind of, I still buy them cause I think they're cute, <laughs> but, but they don't last long. And Rocky has just started. And I don't know if it's at a boy girl difference, just a personality difference. I don't know, but he like was chewing on the trim of the hallway the other day. He oh ate my, my, I used to have this like puff, like little tuffet thing here in my office, which granted looks like a giant dog toy. Cause it's rope. But yeah. yesterday he like ripped a giant hole in that. Like I'll catch him trying to chew it. And I'm all, yeah, I'm sitting right here, but I'm like, stop it yesterday. Had to throw that out. So he's kind of doing a little more chewing than, than Lily. And I'm not, I'm not too happy about it. And I wouldn't be either. Aye, aye, aye. Okay. I got to nip it. I got to nip it. Nope. Nope. Well, so Katie, Katie will be back next week, everyone. She is um, on a family trip in beautiful Colorado. Gosh, I got to go visit her there. It just looks incredible. <laughs> I know. I know. So she'll be back next week, but today, Marcy and I are going to finish our last two questions. Uh, before we jump into those, this is from the Q&A we've been doing. Uh, today, uh, when we publish this, is Menopause Awareness Day, World Menopause Awareness Day. Did you know that, Mars? I, w- not until you told me before we started recording, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. really, like I will say something to definitely bring awareness to, um, because I don't think that a lot of women know what's going on with their bodies, and they just kind of accept this as oh, it's a part of aging. They throw up their hands and like, well, yeah, I just have to accept that this was, that this is what it is. And you know, that I don't have any control over my situation or, you know, living my best life moving forward, which clearly is not the case because we see a lot of women thriving in whether it's perimenopause or menopause, So definitely something to feel encouraged about if you have the right information, the right mindset, and put certain practices into place. That right there is the key, Marcy. And I feel like that's why I'm so excited that there are days like this for World Menopause Awareness Day. Um, It's really important. I did not have the information I needed. I did not have it. One second. Sorry, guys. Real life people. There's no one else to come and help me with the dogs, and a truck is daring to drive down our street. So we're all going to hear the dogs bark and let that truck know it should not be here. (laughs) (laughs) What in the world? Um, Yeah, so I did not have the information I needed. 
uh, when I went into perimenopause, I had no idea what was happening to me. It took me years, years to figure out that all of these, this constellation of symptoms I was having, that it was perimenopause and what that meant. And, and I didn't know. Uh, it was a scary time for me. And a lot of that fear or all of that fear really could have been abated if I had gone into it knowing, oh, these are common symptoms of perimenopause no, you're not dying. No, you don't have MS. Like there's not some terrible diagnosis around the corner. You don't even have a disease. You've mm -hmm. just started into this next stage of life. And here are some of the things that are temporarily during and temporarily for me was nine years that are going to be a part of your life during this change. Um, and that once you enter menopause, it does start to get better. Like that would have made a world of difference to me. And I think that's changing now. There are a lot of people talking. There are a lot of people educating online. I don't, um, I still think we have a far way to go till all of that trickles down to just mm -hmm. like the masses of women. My mm -hmm. friends still don't know very much about menopause and will ask me questions as I bring it up. Uh, you know, but it's it's um, it's an important thing to talk about. Absolutely. Well, like you said, because a lot of the symptoms, especially in perimenopause, are very scary. So the yeah. brain fog. The, did you have heart palpitations and that kind of thing? Yes, I did. Yeah. This, so this, the very first symptom I had was a terrifying one, which was vertigo. Mm -hmm. And it came on so suddenly while I was uh, out and about. And I thought something, I, I went to the emergency room. I had somebody yeah. take me to the emergency room. It was so bad. And then that same thing happened to me again, a year later. And I went to the emergency room again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, and that time I was driving a car when it happened. Oh um, gosh, that's like scary. The whole world just spinning. And, you know, I went through all like the, ENT kind of testing to make sure there's nothing wrong with like these crystals in my ears and, and that kind of stuff. And when it came down to it, it, it turns out, you know, that's just a normal um, symptom of perimenopause. And the other one that was really scary for me are these little zapping sensation. I've heard some other people say they get these zapping sensations in other parts of their bodies. I had the zapping sensations in my head. And oh. so I was having electric zapping sensation, not painful, but it's a strong enough sensation. It, it scared me. Like I was really worried. I'm like, is I don't know what this is. Am I having some kind of brain injury? Is it an aneurysm? I mean, like what is happening? Um, that's a scary one. And then, yeah, of course, dealing with brain fog makes you, it can make you feel like you are, do I have early onset Alzheimer's? Is this the start of dementia? Like what is wrong with me? That has been my question for many years as each of these new things would come up. And I really would want for other women to have this before it starts so they can notice as these things come up, be like, ah, okay. I knew this was a possibility. Right. So, and let's talk also about your past weekend. Cause you were in, was it Dallas? Yes. I was in Dallas and doing something around menopause, correct? Yes. Um, I didn't even realize you were going and doing that. So tell yeah. us more. So, uh, there is a menopause brand uh, their name is Women S and they do make products. They make all kinds of different like face creams and um, all kinds of things for women's sexual health, for your skin as you age. And they reached out to me and asked if I would come. Um, they're doing what they're calling their menopositivity tour. I really do like their whole outlook on menopause and having it be a positive thing. This doesn't have to be like the death knell of like our youth and beauty and, you know, our value to society. And so they're doing this menopositivity tour and they're going across the country in various stops. They're teamed up with Ulta. So Ulta and Women S are doing it together and um, they bring in experts in on various facets of menopause, aging, health, those kinds of things. So I was there with um, a doctor of 
sexual health. Um, so that's really her specialty. She's an OBGYN who specializes in women's sexual health. And then I was there with a woman. Um, she is um, a beauty blogger and she actually was on the Texas news for 28 years. She was their anchor. And now she has this big YouTube channel and specializes in like makeup and beauty products for women um, in menopause. Oh, amazing. What's her name? Her name is Dominique Soxy. Okay. I'll have to check her out. Yeah. Yeah. Check. She's on the, uh, when I posted about this on my Instagram, she's on the picture and her handles there, you'll see her. Um, And then we were there with like the CEO and the COO of women S. And so we had this panel discussion all about, um, all different kinds of concerns and questions that women have in uh, menopause. And then we opened it up to the audience to ask questions. And it was, it was a really great time doing exactly that, bringing awareness um, and hope and um, knowledge, education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So important. Well, I'm glad that you were able to experience that opportunity and just yeah. share your voice because I know this is something you're really passionate about. And one thing that I want to you know say kind of not as it relates to menopause necessarily, but just aging in general and why it is so important to protect our health as we age, uh, whether that is with proper nutrition, you know, not doing these crash diets and trying to be as small and skinny as possible and care so much about the number on the scale, um, you know, prioritize strength training, all of that. So something very like near and dear happened over the weekend. I got a text from my mom saying that my aunt had fallen and broken her hip. So she's 76. And unfortunately my aunt used to be the most incredible woman. I think I have ever met just such a spitfire. She was so talented creatively, you know, very successful professionally, just full of life and energy. And I really looked up to her. And when I was in college, she experienced a brain aneurysm and, you know, that really changed the trajectory of her life. Like the doctor said, you should be dead. Like you were basically a miracle. The fact that you're even alive, but it's definitely slowed her down over the time or over time. And, you know, she cannot be quite as active. And now we're thinking that she has, you know, some form of dementia, which is really sad, but she still is like stubborn as hell. And she, uh, she tried to go up into their attic to get down the Christmas decorations. She, she puts up her tree, like mid uh, October. Yeah, that's <laughs> <And> naturally. <laughs> yeah, she was not supposed to be up there, um, according to my uncle, but she managed to make her way. And just like I think because her mind is not where it should be, um, she didn't realize like perception wise kind of what was going on and like how big the boxes were. So she fell down and broke her hip. And then my uncle, poor guy, like he fall out of the attic, like from the attic, out of the attic, but like down like multiple steps. Um, and then like crashed into these glass mirrors. Like, I mean, it could have been so much worse. Like she could have, you know, like cut herself really bad anyway. So he comes up, he finds her and she had passed out from the pain. And then he ends up hurting his back because he was trying to like, yeah, it was just this big, big thing. But basically where I'm going with all this is, you know, it's really heartbreaking because now she's going to be in a rehab facility for probably 10 to 12 weeks. And, um, there is a guy, I don't know if you follow him, Kim, Peter Atia. So he mm-hmm. is, he's a doctor and I happened to come across something that he had put out about bone health a couple of weeks ago, saying that if you are over the age of 65 and you fall and you break, you know, a hip or another bone like that, you have a 30 to 40% greater risk of dying in one year. 
Yeah. And that is, that is so scary. So I'm like, this is why we need to encourage women to strength train and not just because, you know, it builds a better looking physique, which like, yes, that's important. I mean, it's important to me, uh, but like it's helpful, but really it's for the long-term protection of our health, our well-being, all of that. So absolutely build those, build those that build that muscle, build those bones. Like it's just bone it's health critical. is just absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and menopause is the time of life where we are losing bone at the most yeah. rapid rate. That is when we're losing it at the most rapid rate. And so really prioritizing strength training and doing some um, higher impact um, weight bearing exercise. So doing a little bit of things like jumping, hiking, stair climbing, some things where there's some impact that can really help as well um, in combination with that strength training, making sure you're getting enough calcium, making sure you're getting enough vitamin D. um, Mm -hmm. These are really important things. Yeah. And I would say one last thing to consider is you know, prevention is key, but also having the awareness about what's going on. So maybe going and getting a bone density scan just to see everything. And I need to get one of those because I spent so many years in my twenties, crash dieting, over-exercising, not fueling my body, being underweight, that it would not surprise me if my bone health, um, Mm. even though I was strength training and like doing a lot of high impact activity, if my bone health did not suffer as a result. Yeah. So, yeah. But That's anyway, a good idea, Mars, keep us posted on that. Well, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to create the awareness and spread the message. I think a lot of our listeners do prioritize strength training, but just a reminder of how important it is. Well, look, yeah. Even if you do, besides the strength training, like I said, adding in some of that weight bearing, that high impact weight bearing, and then really checking and seeing like, what are your how is your vitamin D? How is your calcium? Um, I have a pod, I have a full episode on my solo podcast on fitness simplified, um, with a bone health specialist. She, um, works with bone health Canada, I believe is the name of the organization. Um, so like on their board, um, she's a doctor of pharmacology who specializes in osteoporosis. And she came on and like, gave us like how much, how much of each of those we should be eating and, um, how, when to supplement and how much of the supplement you need. And so check that out. I don't have the episode, but you'll see it on my, on my website, Kim Schlag fitness. If you just go there, you can type in like bone health and you'll find it. Yeah. And I, it, I didn't know this until recently, but apparently you know, we think it's the fall that breaks the bone, but mm-hmm. really it's that your bone is so brittle. That's what can cause you to fall in the first place. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, I mean, I think it's both, but still. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, well, I think that was a good talk, Kim. Strong bones, ladies. Well, let's yeah. continue kind of on with this like midlife kind of thing with this first question we have. This question is from um, Siler Shannon. And she says, how to handle bad body image days with midlife weight gain? That's mm. a really good question. I think yes. that's something a lot of people struggle with. Uh, Marcy, talk to me about your clients. Well, I think this is something that the majority of my clients do deal with or are currently dealing with because I would say my demographic client wise is that mid or early to mid forties into mid to late fifties. I do have one client who's in her sixties, but yeah, it's pretty much forties to fifties. And a lot of them have experienced weight gain for, you know, a number of reasons and are feeling very, just like, you know, not like their best selves. And, and they also like, don't really understand why. And I talk to so many women, I mean, Kim, even ones who are younger than me, like in their early thirties, and they really do have that mindset and that belief that 
oh, well, because I'm in my thirties, my metabolism is slowing down. And that's the reason I'm gaining weight. Like things just don't work the same. I'm like, eh, well, not necessarily like, yes, hormones can shift. And maybe I will let you speak to that in a moment. Yeah. But the, but the truth is it's more so the product of our lifestyle. So as we get older, typically we are moving less because we're you know working more, we're sitting at a desk, we're just overall more sedentary. Maybe we don't now have the time to exercise like we once did. And so just the overall calorie burn is decreasing and then stress is higher. And what do we do in times of stress? Typically we eat, we drink. So it's like, you know, the combination of that, which is putting on this weight. And then, you know, you get to the point eventually where you look down and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even recognize myself. And that can be really challenging for people, especially if, you know, at one point you, you were really confident in your body. And I know so many people want to go back to like, you know, pre-kid body or high school or whatever the case may be. Um, and you know, that may not always be, um, I don't want to say the case, but, um, what's the word I'm looking for brain fog over here, my Lord. (laughs) Um, but you may not be able to do that because bodies change. So I think first of all, it's just like accepting that you are in a different season of life and bodies change, you know, size, shape, all of that. But it doesn't mean that you still cannot be your, the best version of your current self. Yeah. Um, and it really depends woman to woman. Uh, look, I'm in better shape now. I look better than I ever did when I was in my thirties or my twenties. I absolutely did. I also was not in tip top shape then. Like I was not an athlete. I was, you know, a person who was just fairly average size, but, um, I didn't, I didn't work out. So I get it. Some people are like, wow, I was like in really fit shape, uh, in my twenties. So maybe you couldn't quite get back there, but I think we spend far too much time kind of looking at the past and thinking how we wish we could look then. And we don't even necessarily have a great picture of how we look now. I don't think we ever can really see ourselves. And we see this evidenced by when we look at pictures of us and we're like, whoa, like, whatever the saying is, whatever the thing you think is, I looked skinny then, or I can't believe I thought I was fat then. Mm -hmm. And at the time you absolutely did. You Mm -hmm. absolutely were not feeling good in your body then. And so right now you're like, Oh, if if I could only look like that, well, would you still, would you be happy? Would you really be happy? Was it ever about your weight anyway? Right. And so I don't know if we get a good picture of ourselves. The other thing I'll say is um, when you're talking about how things do shift, it really is a real thing. And I know a lot of women struggle with the fact that we often end up with more uh, fat in our midsection in, mm-hmm. in menopause. It's a real thing as our estrogen declines, where we tend to store our excess fat does shift. It shifts to that belly area. We don't want too much fat there because it can be very bad for our health, but having some fat there is just going to be a natural part of life. Yes, you can lose it. You can, you absolutely can lose it. You will lose it just the same as you would lose fat on your elbow, on your, on your butt, on your thigh, anywhere else on your body. It's the same thing. You will lose it by being in a calorie deficit. Now you cannot choose in what order your body loses fat. You cannot say like, I would like to first lose my double chin and then I'd like the belly fat to go spare the boobs, right? It doesn't work that way. We can't pick it. And what you might find is that by the time you get lean enough to lose that extra belly fat, that 
the work you have to go through. And we're going to talk in a minute about losing the last 10 pounds. That's the, the second question we have here that the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not going to be for you. Um, maybe it will be. And if you want it, if you choose to do that, you can absolutely do it. Zero questions asked. You might find that it's lifestyle prohibitive to, to lose, uh, that last little bit of belly fat there. And the question that I ask myself a lot lately, and that I talk to the women in my group about is what if instead of fixating on losing that, we start working on just being okay with like, this is how my body looks right now. And maybe we can be the ones to help younger generations Mm -hmm. stop obsessing about having a flat stomach. Mm -hmm. I've wasted too much of my time trying to get abs, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to have this washboard stomach and realistically, that's, that was not in the cards for me to do in an easy way. Some people, you know, the way our, our abs look, where our fat distribution is, it's a a large part of that is due to genetics and like that, you know, how long your torso is. I have this little tiny torso and I've always carried extra weight in my stomach anyway, and more so now that I'm in menopause. And I don't know that I want to spend too much time and energy fixing that. I think I'd rather put some time and energy to fixing my mindset around the fact that it's okay. Like it's okay that I have a softer belly right now. How can I, how can I help myself be okay with that? And this is the work I'm doing in my um, monthly group. We talk about this a lot because these women have gotten in shape and they're really healthy and they have the healthy habits and they're kind of, not all, a lot of them are still working on weight loss, but the ones who've kind of gotten to this nice, healthy place, the question is now how much time and energy do we want to keep dedicating to this project? Do we want to just keep working on like, I go to the gym three to four times a week and I eat my fiber and I eat my protein. And now my mental energy is somewhere else. And it's not on get leaner, get leaner, get leaner. And I'm not dictating to anyone listening that that has to be your goal. Um, but it's something to think about. And so Shannon, who asked this question, one of the things, and when you're having a bad body day is to consider, can I come to a place of acceptance with my body where it's at right now? Can I make peace with the fact that I'm not going to try and change this piece of me anymore? I'm not going to spend, you know, if you're at a healthy place, obviously there's a lot we can do. Like I'm a person who's working with a cardiologist right now. And for many people, even just losing like 10% of their body fat can really help improve their health. But if that's not where you're at, this is an aesthetic pursuit and you might just decide the juice is not worth the squeeze anymore. How can you do that internal work to get to the place of, I accept this. And a good first step can be body neutrality, like not go aiming to go from, ugh, I don't like this part of me to like, I love it. I love the way my belly looks in these jeans. I love it when you know it's a complete lie. Like just mm-hmm. saying that is not useful, but can you go to the step of like, this is what my body looks like today on uh, Tuesday, October 18th. This is what my, this is what my belly looks like in jeans today. Can you, mm-hmm. can you go to that spot? Can you say things like, this is the body that just carried me to visit my grandchild today. Like this is the body that allowed me to sit outside and watch the sunrise last night. Like this is the vessel that is allowing me to do that. Kind of this place of neutrality about what your body can do for you, what your body is, not how it looks. Um, right. and, you know, that's a really big, hard step, but um, I do think, I do think it's worth putting effort into. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, gratitude, it really is, there's something to be said for it. And I, gosh, I struggled with this for a long time. I mean, I think there are probably some days when 
I still do. And it's like, I work so hard. Why can't I get off this like last little bit? Like, I think we all experience that from time to time, but to your point, what you were just saying, you know, really having to feel grateful that your body does so much for you. And I think Kim, you and I have both been in a position because like I struggled with my health throughout my entire twenties into my early thirties. Like, yes, I was still incredibly active, like doing all of the things don't get me wrong, but I spent a lot of my time in doctor's offices, you know, doing tests, like trying to figure out what was going on with me. And it was incredibly scary. And at that time, like I was very lean. Um, so maybe my physique was quote unquote enviable by other people. I got a lot of validation for it, but I also felt absolutely terrible physically. Um, and I would not trade that by any means for feeling more energetic and, and just like healthy overall. And I really am grateful that my body has been through so much. I have put it through the freaking ringer and here it is continuing to show up for me. And if I still have parts that, and we'll talk about this in the next question, but yeah, parts that I can't whittle away, you know what? So be it. And no one else really cares. And I think kind of like asking yourself, what am I, who, who am I doing this for? Am I doing it for me or am I doing it for somebody else? Am I afraid of being judged? Is like, you know, there's a deeper reason for sure. But I know that when I was actually at my heaviest, I feel like I was a lot happier and my relationships were better. And I was just, I think, less focused on my body at that point and more accepting mm-hmm. of it. And yeah, life was just more peaceful as a result because I yeah. wasn't so hyper-focused. And it can be a tricky thing for, um, you know, particularly women of my generation, because we've spent so much of our lives with this constant desire to lose weight, get skinnier, this focus on that. Um, and it can feel weird to kind of like take that project and put it aside, like not going to do that right now. Um, I have, I actually, one of the ladies I'm working with in my aging stronger society, we gave her a dedicated month where she just was not going to, even when those thoughts appeared, like maybe I should, that her goal was to say, I'm not focusing on weight loss right now. I'm not focusing. Yeah. And so this week it'll be one month since she decided, cause she's one of those, like lose the last town, 10 pounds that she didn't, she wanted to do, but she didn't really want to do it. And so really kind of coming to terms with the fact that like for right now. Um, and so that's why I set her this challenge because it was always way every other day. She'd be like, I'm going to lose it. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. So I said, I think you need a break from thinking about that. Let's mm-hmm. just go, let's just go four weeks with it off the table. Like it's off the table for you. You're just going to say to yourself brain. I know you're telling me that I want to lose weight, but I'm not doing that until X date in October. That's the next time I'll even consider if I want to do that. So that can be really useful if you are listening and you're like, I constantly go back and forth. Do I want to lose five or 10 pounds or do I not? Like give yourself a month at least to just take it off the table um, to see how you're feeling about it. Yeah. And, and really like seek out how you do feel. So don't just try to like aimlessly go through your life, but like reflect every day on like, how was my day today? Like, what did I get to experience? What are the other things that I was thinking of? What brought me joy? So you kind of have that realization that, Hey, life can be really good when I am not focusing on weight loss and like nothing is really changing. Like maybe like nothing's getting worse. You know what I mean? Cause I can promise you (laughs) 
and this is not to say like, we don't encourage weight loss because sometimes we do. Right. Absolutely. With tons of people on weight loss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, but is it going to be the end all be all of your happiness? And no, I don't think so. And especially if you have been in that cycle for a very long time where it's all you've been focusing on, then taking that step away can be really eye opening that, uh, you know, maybe this is not worth it. Um, so yeah, I think that's really great advice, Kim. Yeah, because there's not just two possibilities. The possibility is not just like, I have to lose weight or I have to be body positive and never weight loss is never acceptable. There's definitely a way to like blend both those things. Like, Hey, maybe sometimes I want to lose weight and other times I really need to work on just accepting my body, how it is and loving it. And there can be different stages in your life. And, um, you know, it's just more nuanced than that, than just saying like one is right. And one is wrong. Like weight loss is always bad or, um, weight loss is always the answer. (laughs) It's never one of those two. Right. And the last thing I'll say about this, and you know, I, have dealt with it myself and I've seen it in clients as well is the weight loss or like the bad body image. Is it trying to cover up something else that is going on? So I like to tell people that oftentimes your body becomes the proverbial punching bag. And so if you are feeling out of control, because like midlife is a very challenging time and I'm experiencing it right now with kind of like the story that I shared earlier, you know, seeing my, my family members, my loved ones who, when I was younger, I really looked up to, and, and now like they're aging, they're slowing down, things are changing. And like, I have felt very, very anxious about that. Like I'm dealing some stuff with my dad's health and, and that's very scary. So I think when there are things in our life that we can't control, you know, so whether it's aging parents or anxiety over your kids or, um, you know, your career, that type of thing, like you do not feel like that is in your control, but what is weight loss? beating up on your body, all of that. So it's kind of like you put your focus on there almost so that I don't want to say you don't have to like think about the other stuff, but it just gives you something else to put your attention into. But is that really healthy? And is that, is that the state that you need to be in to deal with everything else that is going on your life in your life? Or would you be better suited to be fueling your body and moving it because you enjoy it. It makes you feel good. It alleviates your stress. Yeah. That's good advice, Marcy, because, um, I've so been there before where you think that the thing you need is to lose weight, to feel better. And really the thing you need is, um, more sleep, more movement to deal with your boss. Who's being nasty to you and, you know, making you have these thoughts in your heads that you're not good enough. Right. So is it, is it the weight? Um, it is, it can be really easy to look at yourself in the mirror when you're feeling I haven't done enough or whatever it is, and then start being hypercritical of yourself. So, yeah. Well, and also really the last point that I'll make, because you know, <laughs> we, we, we need to stop saying the last point. Cause we've been I know. <laughs> we keep thinking of more points. We have lots okay. to say on the subject. Yeah. I think this, this really is the last one. Um, so, so like in middle age, and this is something else that Kim, I know you've dealt with and my clients as well, especially when hormones are shifting and stress is higher that our sleep is disrupted and whoa, can that skew your body image when, yeah, when you are sleep deprived and I kind of have like a checklist, okay. On bad body image days, like let's go through this and see, do any of these apply? Because 
usually what we feel in the moment or even think that we see in the moment, like perception is not reality. And maybe one day we're feeling good, confident, all of that. And we could wake up the next day feeling completely different. And it could be as simple as I did not get enough sleep last night, or I did not, you know, nourish my body. I'm not all hydrated, whatever the case may be. It can be that like low hanging fruit stuff that has nothing to do with what your body actually looks like. Yeah. So good point. Good point. Anyway. Well, right. let's turn to the second question now. This one is from um well her name is Paula. Um and she is in my group and she has lost a lot of weight and really changed the shape of her body. And her question is the last 10 pounds. She didn't put a question. She just said the last 10 pounds. And I get what she means because so many people are like, okay, how do I do it? How do I lose these last 10 pounds? And I have lots to say here. The first being um, questioning, do I want to do that? Because if you're getting to the last 10 pounds for a lot of people, that means you've already been at this for a while, mm-hmm. right? I know Paula's been at this for a year now. It's been a year. She's lost. She's gotten really consistent in the gym, gotten really consistent with her nutrition. Um, I lost over 30 pounds, like lots of sizes, looks very different. So when we get to that last part, whether it's the last five or the last 10, um, a couple of questions to ask are, do I really want to do this now? Number two, is it really the last 10? Because gosh, sometimes it, sometimes what we think we're going to look in 10 pounds, we might just keep moving the goalpost on us. So I would, um, I would rather see a person give themselves maybe a time limit saying I'm going to do a deficit phase for 12 weeks rather than saying 10 pounds, because it can last a really long time. And as you're getting leaner and leaner, it can um, just take longer to get that last little bit of, of fat off. So I would much rather at this point, see somebody pick a time, like I'm going to deficit phase 12 weeks, coming back up to maintenance for at least X number of weeks, months after that to kind of reevaluate. Um, that would be my first step. What do you say, Mars? Well, I'm just going to share something, a personal anecdote here, because no matter how lean I have been in my life, I always have what I call the banana roll of fat, which is like right, it's below my butt and like right above my hamstring. Mm -hmm. And I like cannot get rid of it. It does not matter how hard I try, how lean I get. And trust me, I have tried to do all of the things, not so much now, but you know, when I was younger, so more cardio, less carbs, um, fat burning pills, all of that. And it didn't go away. And it was like, the bane of my existence for so long. Like that's what I hyper focused on. I wouldn't get in a bathing suit because of it. Like I was very, very self-conscious. And at some point I just had to accept like, this is my body and it's just what it's going to do. So, you know, like, yeah, it really is a mindset thing more than anything. Very good advice, uh, Marcy, to kind of look and see like, what is the goal and is the goal even going to be attainable for me? Because Mm -hmm we get these ideals in our head of what, what is the area between your butt and your hamstring supposed to look like, right? We have this picture because of, we've seen what's on, um, magazines and on the internet. And so we have this picture when in reality, that is not necessarily, it's not, not even necessarily, that is not the norm. Mm -hmm. Those are models. Those are retouched images. And so we get the idea that we should look like that when in reality, most people don't look like that. And everybody has different parts of their body for somebody else. 
they have no idea what you're even talking about, about this area there, <laughs> but for them, it's like how their upper chest looks or their belly or their calves. Like I have a friend who's always like complaining about her calves. I've never thought about my calves a day in my life. Like, right. yeah, me neither. Like, right. Like never have I had like, I've just always thought my calves are fine, uh-huh. right? But we all have these areas. And so I do think that's yeah. important to consider. Like, is this something that can even be changed? Let's yeah. say we get a person, Marcy, they don't have, it's not like they're trying to get a particular body part. They have thought about it. They're like, yes, I do. I want to go for this. I want to lose the last five or 10 pounds. Okay. I'm going to set a reasonable timeline I'm going into deficit for 12 weeks. What, what is their best, what is the best advice we can give them then? Cause it is different. Get losing those last 10 pounds, last five pounds than somebody losing their first 30. Mm. So are you talking about like the actual tangible advice? Like, here's what you need to be doing. <laughs> like what, what would you say they should know? Like, there's definitely some things that like I would tell a person. Okay. Number one is you're going to have to have things dialed in way more oh, yeah. than you did when yeah. you first started. So when you first started, anything is going to work. You cut back from seven Pepsis a day to three Pepsis a day, you know, with mm-hmm. full sugar and your calories, you're going to start losing weight because you just cut out a ton of calories at the mm-hmm. part you're at right now. You've probably dialed things in and dialed things into the point where it's not like you've got, like, you're not eating cupcakes 12 times a day. Mm-hmm. There is not as much low hanging fruit. So it's going yeah. to take more effort to dial in, to get into this deficit. Yep. And more so, effort, more effort and way more, you know, consistency. Yes. So, so we usually say, I don't know where this came from, but whatever, I'll go with it. Oh, you need to be 80% consistent. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think so. If you are, if you've made progress up until this point at 80%, you know, maybe you have a weekend where you're going over a little bit, right. You're loosely tracking, but you're still getting the ball rolling and you are making progress. Well, when it comes to the five to 10 pounds, that number is going to have to go up to, I would say like 95 to maybe even hundred percent consistency, like in some cases for definitely over 90, definitely over 90, 90 for sure. I've definitely noticed that with my clients who get to the part where they're like, just want to lose this last little bit. 80% consistency is not cutting it anymore. You got to get up over 90% um, to really see it. Because again, it's, you're, you're really working. Like our body doesn't necessarily want us to be super lean. That's not, that's, oh, good gracious. That's not what our body wants from us. So they are fighting us there. And so we really have to be careful with how many calories are we taking in and really doing the things like weighing food instead of measuring, cupping it or eyeballing it. Even if that was enough to get you to this point, if you're like, Hey, I was doing that and it was working, it's probably not going to be enough at this point. Yeah. Um, Because they're going to be real inaccuracies and excuse me, inaccuracies there. Um, the, the difference between weighing, you know, peanut butter or oatmeal or something that's very calorie dense in a measuring cup or spoon. And actually on the food scale can be the difference of gosh, 50 to 75 calories, which in isolation may not sound like a lot, but if you are adding that up over the course of the day, over the course of the week, that could be enough to put you at maintenance, especially now if your calorie deficit, you know, that window is a little tighter for sure. And like, for me, I'm a small person, like I don't weigh that much in general. So let's say like, okay, I'm really going to try and like will down that banana roll fat. Um, like one, my calories are going to have to be very low. I'm probably going to have to add in more cardio and then yeah, that window is going to be so much less. So even, you know, an extra 50 a day could 
really make all of the difference. Um, And that was the next point I was going to make, you know, oftentimes we can, and I I feel kind of bad now looking back that I gave this advice where, oh, you can lose weight with like no cardio whatsoever. Like, yes, that is true. The non-exercise movement is going to be the most important. I now believe that adding some cardio in is beneficial for mental health, physical health, you know, like heart health, all of that. Um, However, it may be one of those things that at this point it's, it's kind of required because calories are going to have to get a lot lower than when you first started. And if you do not want to have to eat any less, or, you know, you're getting down to like close to basal metabolic rate in some cases, um, then yes, adding in additional expenditure in the form of structured cardio, not just meat might be necessary. So kind of yeah. like you kept saying, is the juice worth the squeeze? Do you have the time, the energy, the capacity to do all of that? And then same thing when we're talking about 90%, 95% consistency or thereabouts, well, that's probably going to mean that things like going out to eat and having that glass of wine might be off the table at this point, just because you can go out to eat and be like, Oh, well, I'm on track. It's like, well, but are you really, if you're, um, you know, if you're looking from actual calorie perspective of what you might be taking in. So Yeah. yeah, it just, um, it can mean that your lifestyle is going to change pretty dramatically. And for some people it is worth it, but I think for many, especially if, and let me say this, I think it all goes down or comes back to like your values. So what do you truly value in your life? Being as lean, as shredded as possible, where you have, you know, very little visible body fat, or is it spending time with your friends and your loved ones and being present and being energetic and all of that, um, performing well at work, because I can promise you from someone who has been there, all of that will suffer. Like the last fat loss phase that I was in years ago, I mean, I guess two and a half years ago at this point is when it ended. Like I kind of pushed myself to see how far can I take this? Like it was almost like I was doing a competition prep without even, or without actually putting on the bikini and getting on stage. Right. But, but the last month I would say, I, my brain fog was horrible. I had very low energy. I felt like I was walking through mud looking back, not worth it. Mm-hmm. By any means. No, yeah. no. Um, really good points there. Yes. Your point about cardio, exactly how I would look at it as well. I don't give people, uh, when, who are just starting with me for fat loss, I don't, um, give them cardio. We do a lot with steps. I do think cardio is super important for heart health. That's very top of mind for me right now, but where I do. And the reason I don't give cardio as one of their main tools is because it takes a lot to learn how to lose weight. And if we're talking about like, let's start counting calories, let's get our, hit our calories, let's hit our protein, let's move and doing steps, let's doing strength training. And then let's do all of the things it takes to make all of that happen. So that means usually like working on your sleep and your communication with your family, it's just a lot. Mm -hmm. And so cardio is not the big gun tool for people. And so I don't give cardio where I do give cardio is for people. Well, I do absolutely do it for heart health for people who that's like a main goal. Um, It's just overall improving their health. We absolutely work on that. But then if somebody is wanting to lose those last five or 10 pounds, adding in cardio is a part of the deal. It's one of those, it's one of those, um, smaller dial movers, which is what we're looking for at this point, right? We're trying to like get all the ducks in a row. And so this is the time where I would say like, Hey, we're going to do cardio. We're going to do 30 minute sessions two times a week or three times. Well, definitely like add that in there to help 
more create um, this deficit as calories are getting lower and lower versus constantly, uh, versus not constantly, versus reducing those calories um, even lower, which could be very prohibitive lifestyle wise and just um, even um, possible for a person to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So everything really does have to be dialed in. Like you said too, sleep, especially because that is going to impact things. Um, we talked about the cardio. I would even say, you know, from a nutrient or a nutrition perspective, maybe doing some nutrition periodization, I guess, or like timing a little bit more. Yeah. So, you know, more of the carbs around your training session, like maybe lower carb days, or lower like calorie days, I think like cycling, that kind of stuff. And that's just, again, very small rocks, but it is the strategy that a lot of people use to really dial things in at the end. But when you hear all of that, does that sound appealing? Uh, I don't know. And that's why I say, like, I really do believe anybody who wants to do it, you can do it. You can yeah. The question is going to come down to when you just heard all that, like, are you like, do I even want to do that? Which is again, why I come back to pick an end date. I'm doing it for 10 weeks. I'm doing it for 12 weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because then it can feel much more doable. This is not how I plan on living the rest of my life, but for the next 12 weeks, I'm not going to eat out and I'm doing three extra cardio sessions and, um, you know, however else you're dialing in, I'm weighing all my food, all the things for these 12 weeks to lose this, this 10 pounds. And at the end of 12 weeks, I'm going to take a hard break and see. And if I haven't hit 10 pounds lost, maybe I'll do another phase like this and lose the last three or four that I didn't quite get to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff, Kim. Well, I think yeah. we can wrap a bow on that one. Yeah, I think we can. I got to get out of here, go deal with my car that has apparently been attacked by squirrels for a third time. Okay. Can, can we talk about this just really quick? Because yeah. I saw the story. <laughs> it and really like, hasn't exactly. been. I don't believe, I'm not even sure if there were squirrels involved now. I'm not sure how shady this really? Toyota dealership is. It's possible in my mind that the very first time there may have been squirrels or mice or whatever it was. But I think when I brought that car back the second time, because I never asked to look and it wasn't the kind of thing you could just open the hood and see, because I tried round two there's this like engine cover, this like big plastic thing that I couldn't figure out how to get up. So the lady who was my mechanic said, she's like, it's under there. You won't be able to see these wires. And I was highly skeptical that it had been attacked by squirrels or rodents again. And, but I was like, okay. But then when the car stopped again this weekend, and this time I'd been in Texas. So my son had had flown into town and he was using my car while I was gone. It was parked at his girlfriend's house in another town, like 30 minutes away. So did the squirrels follow? Did they, did they go there? <laughs> like, do, are, do squirrels just really like my truck? Like what's that? And he was driving it every day a lot because like I said, the girlfriend lives 30 minutes away. They were driving back and forth. They were going out to lunch when it died this time, they were coming back from Panera pulling into my driveway mm. and that the check engine light lost of engine power came back on. And I just don't believe that it was. And so here's the interesting thing. My son and I decided on, it was dark, but on Sunday, when I got home, he helped me take that engine cover off. And the first thing we saw, there was a hose unattached to some pipe <gasps> sitting like this. We were both like, he knows some about cars. I know nothing about cars, but we were both like, that's not right. So I don't know if when they fixed my car, they didn't put it back together, right? And it shimmied its way off. I don't know. Was there no mouse damage last time? And this was the problem. They put it back together and charged me for squirrel and mouse damage. I don't know, but I feel oh. very, um, so I've gotten myself call. I have an appointment to meet with them in about an hour. 
I've had some advice from people who are very good with like, uh, like high tension situations like this about how to, to manage it. And they say I should go in and ask, um, basically for like, let's talk. I know we're all on the same team. What I really want is some, can you like educate me on what was done? Like really look for information versus mm-hmm. accusing them. Cause what I want to do yeah. is go and be there. Like, fix this. What are you doing? Right. Like really like seeking information, seeking education. Can you show me what you fix? What do you think about this pipe? Like give us like, we're on the same team. Help me, help me understand. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, that's the approach I'm about to take. Um, well, that would have been my suggestion for you too. Don't go in there pointing fingers because yeah. then you're going to put them on the defense and they're going to get frustrated and it creates more tension in space. And yeah, yeah. I do not think that would end well. I feel like those car people can kind of have big egos to begin with. So yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and so I'm not excited that I have to go have this conversation, but I cannot, it's a brand new car and it was not a cheap car, which I think tens of thousands of dollars I just spent. It should not be broken. And I I just, um, you know, there is the option that we have lemon laws in Pennsylvania, but then we're talking lawsuits and like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next. When I saw that pipe, I was like, what in the world? So hopefully they'll just get that all fixed up. And because as soon as my, so my son and I, we, I didn't tell you this, we put that back together with a hose. We put it back on just with our hands and they didn't like tighten it or anything. And then turned the car on and drove fine. <gasps> and so the, the check engine light is still on. You have to like, they have to turn that off. But we drove it right. around the block and I'm like, okay. So again, I feel very, like. Very suspicious. Highly suspicious. Highly suspicious. <laughs> Hopefully this saga will be wrapping up here very shortly. Third third time's a charm. (laughs) Oh man. Well, best of you. (laughs) Good chat, Mars. Katie will be back next week and we'll be back together then. All right. Bye. Bye.